he wasn't the wealthiest person on planet Earth at the time he was alive because he was an oil tycoon. There, was hundred, there were hundreds of oil tycoons. Um, he was wealthiest because he iterated on it and vertically integrated and said, okay, what is the bottleneck in my business? For you, it could be deal flow, it could be research, it could be access to capital or new investor leads. But he identified his choke point was getting access to oak barrels. And he said, I can't ship my oil unless I have enough oak barrels. We're always running out of barrels. I have to wait for the barrels. And it's just messing up our flow of oil to the, to the market. So he bought an oak barrel company. And now he had more supply, but then he had more oil still than barrels. So he bought a second oak barrel company, another one, and he bought up all the oak barrel companies he could that weren't already owned by his competition doing the same thing. Um, he then found that his bottleneck in the oak barrel business, even though he owned all, all, almost all of them, is that he was running out of the wood to actually make the oak barrel. So then he started buying oak groves and planting oak groves, and he bought up all of the oak groves in the United States and in Europe, uh, partially. Um, and then his, comp his competitors couldn't get the barrels they needed because he owned all the barrel companies, unless they played by his game or paid a crazy fee, and they couldn't get the oak. The other barrel companies, if they didn't also go down to the next level of getting the oak, then they couldn't make the barrels, even if they are smart enough to copy his oak barrel strategy. He then figured out he could dry the oak wood to make lighter barrels, and it lowered his cost of freight. And when you're shipping millions of barrels of oil, that adds up over time. So he, he iterated over and over and over again so that he had so much momentum and so much power in the industry. It's one of the reasons why they made like anti-monopoly rules. You know, so far, even Amazon hasn't gotten sued for anti-monopoly. So what's the chances that one of us is going to get in trouble for trying the strategy? Probably pretty low, but you know, put the disclaimer at the front. So um, shouldn't go out and do anything related to um, you know, price fixing, people get in trouble for more often, or if you're publicly traded or dealing with hedge fund publicly traded securities, there's tons of laws around um, how you negotiate and access investments there, of course. But after lunch, we're going to go through a whole bunch of examples of strategic choke points that you could acquire or that you could get involved with or secure. And as long as you don't give up that choke point, you now have more momentum in your business, you'll raise capital faster, get better access to deal flow. Uh, remove what was your highest cost and make it a profit center now or whatever is causing friction and make it an area that goes really well for you while all your competitors are complaining about it still. Um, this is one of my favorite topics. It's completely changed my business. I'm going to show you uh, iterations of this and show seven different choke points that we've acquired and how they completely changed our business and an example of one that we just acquired recently. Um, and this is an idea that's worth over a million dollars, I believe. And we had like one storage guy came in and he said, "Why?" You know, you're charging so little for your membership. I've made you know half a million dollars off of being a member in one year. You know, why do you charge so little? And we're saying, well, we are raising our pricing each year, uh, but we also are valuable to our investors by having excellent access to deal flow. So we'll keep on raising our pricing. If you if you leave, uh, the pricing will be higher when you come back. Uh, but and because we want to raise the quality of that deal flow in the room too. But the acquisition of choke points is what's changed our business uh, almost more than anything else because it's using the influence and persuasion strategies I said that were so critical and you can acquire choke points that instantly give you more credibility. Almost anyone who runs a dental practice or a dental service company, uh, I can get a meeting with by saying, I run the number one largest social media network in dentistry with 375,000 members. And then I just tweak it with, oh, maybe we could you know, uh, mention your event you have coming up. Or maybe we could keep an eye out and help you hire a doctor. Or maybe we could connect you to this, this, and this. Um, so that's just one example of it. So we'll leave that for after lunch and um, we'll make sure we get through everything by 3.15, 3.30 p.m. today. Then there'll be 30 minutes of networking. 
Um, make sure you don't miss the part between 2 and 3 p.m. on execution. Sometimes people get a little bit, you know, uh, brain gets a bit full by that time of the day. Um, but some of that stuff is really like the nuts and bolts of everyday execution on raising capital. And it might be the only part that you came here thinking you were going to get um, because most people don't talk about positioning so deep or creating an investor funnel or choke points. But we want to make sure that everyone coming here hears something they're not doing already and then has actionable, practical plans they can implement. Yeah. Thank you for your attention.